Emma and Tom Talk Teaching, a podcast about all things education, presented by Emma Thayer and Tom Breeze. Episode 3, live from the National Professional Inquiry Project. Hello and welcome back to Emma and Tom Talk Teaching and we've got another episode coming at you with a live audience who are all staring at the whites of my eyes right now. I'm very, very pleased to be here at Newport City Campus at the University of South Wales for a really unique and special project in Wales, the National Professional Inquiry Project. And it's a conference that we are coming at you from today, um, entitled Encounters with Inquiry Quandaries. And we have got an esteemed panel who I'm going to hand over to in a moment. But first of all, just so you know that he's here, Tom, we're on the road again. We're on the road and uh, I've brought my longest wire. It's now a famous wire from all our live events. So anyone sitting at the back of this event, you will not be exempt from asking questions because my wire is very long. So we look forward to that and we look forward to handing over to our panel. Absolutely. So we're going to move swiftly on to our first panellist who is going to introduce herself. But just that you know as listeners and our audience know, they're going to be giving us a bit of an overview of their encounters with inquiry. So to my right, you can introduce yourselves. Welcome to the podcast, Sean Sawa. Thank you very much. So I'm really pleased to be here this afternoon to share some of the experiences that my colleague Dr Jenny Clement and I have had over the last couple of years in developing and actually in some areas constructing a resource space at the Kinkoid campus at Cardiff Met, which is dedicated to creating provision that supports the enactment of Frobelian principles and practices. And so for uh, for those of you that maybe don't know that who Frobel is, is. Frobel is a, an early years um, pioneer. And really the work that Jenny and I have come to do over the last couple of years now has come about really through our independent kind of recognition of the synergies between um, Frobelian principles and practices and curriculum for Wales. And through that, we sort of joined forces. And as a result, we've been able to create this resource space on campus. And with the within the work that we do at T. Frobel, there are sort of four strands to our work: there's teaching and learning, research and innovation, professional learning, and community engagement. And really, at the heart of all of that we do within that resource space, those four sort of elements actually come together in different ways. Um, so, for example, within our teaching and learning with students across uh, different programmes at Cardiff Met, including early years and primary education and QTS students, uh, we have been able to integrate professional learning opportunities and to involve them in workshops that encourages them to engage with the processes of inquiry. So one example of that would be at the start of our journey, we created a Frobelian garden and that process involved interdisciplinary work between School of Education and Social Policy and the School of Art and Design. We came together to create some interactive workshops for our students, drawing on the knowledge in terms of design-based research from uh, Dr. Bethan Gordon has been one of them. And we were able to create these workshops from, from our students. And, and that was an experience of professional learning that, there was, that was then embedded within the modules, within programmes uh, at Cardiff Met. 
And so that's sort of embedded within teaching and learning. And then we also have research and innovation. And that's really important on the basis that whilst we recognise that there are synergies with Fribilian principles and practices and um, curriculum for Wales, it's really important to demonstrate that through evidence and to explore the extent to which those synergies are, are there. But also to maintain a critical eye. So whilst we do recognise those synergies and we are are committed to you know identifying sort of uh, sufficient evidence to demonstrate that and to articulate that it's important that through research that we we are able to maintain a critical eye one that is evaluative and critical so that uh, we can be Fribilian advocates without being uncritical and that's really important and part of that is to also develop his ideas to make sure that we are exploring those Fribilian principles and practices in line with current debates, issues and rhetorics. And that's been really exciting. We've had um, lots of projects over, I had to list them and, and you know, so that I could actually remember what they what they all are. Um, but they, it's been really exciting working with early years settings and schools as well. Uh, and that's been a, a, an interesting journey over the last year or so, as we have created something that's linked to our community engagement thread, if you like, is a lending library. And we received some funding to purchase some blocks um, and block play being one of Froebel's occupations. And so through that funding, we were able to lend three sets of uh, blocks to schools. And those blocks have been used to support uh, practitioner inquiries. So we've been on a journey that has combined opportunities for professional learning at supporting practitioners and teachers in their journey of inquiry, sort of <coughs> providing sort of reading materials, coming together, um, collaborating to sharing experiences of, of the block play, again in that analytical, evaluative and informed way, supporting teachers and practitioners towards identifying um, a question for their own for their own inquiries. So yes, I think that's in a, in a, in a nutshell, but I'd be happy to talk about the different projects as we go through if that's if that's enough for now. Thank you very much Sean and a warm welcome to the podcast. Now our next guest for anybody who has been a long-standing listener of our podcast will may know that you joined us I want to say 2021 this is Lisa Taylor was it was it about then Lisa? I'm not really sure because time's kind of melted hasn't it over Covid but I know yeah. I was in my dining room wearing my slippers. Oh there we go. I wasn't very in front of a live audience. So. <laughs> and Matt said oh could, would you mind being on a panel he didn't mention it was going to be re- recorded as a podcast. So. <laughs> well Lisa Lisa Taylor of University of South Wales. Tell us what is your role and talk to us about inquiry and your encounters with it. Okay. Well, it's lovely to be here today and to see everybody and to see so many partners that uh, we know so well. So I came into this role. um, I've had a few different roles at USW, but I came into this role after 25 years in um, teaching and senior leadership in secondary secondary schools um, locally. And, you know, one of the biggest changes I noticed when I came to the university was the time that you, you know, it was valued for research and inquiry. And I know things have changed because that was seven years ago. But I, I sort of said at the time, if I'd sat in my office and read a book 
and, and somebody had come in, you know, and seen me reading, I think I can imagine what some of the reactions would be. But actually, that's so important that we are engaging in research and inquiry. And I know I'm talking to everybody who's converted because that's why you're here today. But what I didn't realise I was doing at the time was inquiring all the time because it's part of a teacher's mindset, isn't it? That you you inquire, you, you try something out, you do a bit of reading about something. Somebody says, well, this worked for me. Have you tried it? You know, and you, and you reflect upon it and you tweak it and you change it. We're doing that all the time. But it's great now that we've got these opportunities with the, the funding and the resource behind it to engage in sort of more formalised, if you like, inquiry projects. So as Director of Education, I oversee our initial teacher education provision here at USW and our wonderful um, USW Initial Teacher Education Partnership, which comprises of fantastic schools across the um, EAS and Central South region. And I work really closely with with Kath, and I know Kath will speak in a moment, but Kath's our Head of Research Development and Pedagogic Practice. And one of the things that we find the most invigorating about our roles is working with school partners, working with students working with our staff on these collaborative inquiries because we were having a chat just before we started and it can be one of the most daunting things when you're thinking about inquiry and being on your own where do I start you know what do I do I've got a blank piece of paper in front of me I've got an idea but how do I approach it but actually our approach to collaborative professional learning and a collaborative inquiry is really enriching that you can bounce ideas off each other you know some everybody brings something different to it and that's where I found personally for my own sort of research and inquiry journey that's one of the things that I've really valued and I actually did as part of my master's dissertation quite a few years ago I looked into um, collaborative professional learning across the region and spoke to quite a few different teachers at different levels and different stages in their career and without There was no exception. Every single person that I spoke to, every single participant said that they really valued collaborative professional learning. Some of the barriers, and I know we mentioned quandaries, Emma and I were talking about some of the barriers. Some of the barriers to it were lack of time, lack of opportunity, lack of funding. Okay, those are the ones that come up over and over again. But actually everybody said that when, when they did engage in some collaborative inquiry, it enriched them, it invigorated them, it motivated them, and it had an impact not just on their practice, as we would expect, but on their personal well-being as well. And I can see some nods, you know, and that's 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 why we do it, isn't it? That's, that's why we do it. So I don't really want to talk much about myself, but my own research interests, but I will, having said that, because <laughs> I've been told to, my own research interests um, are around, no surprise, initial teacher education. We've been involved in some collaborative research on the transition from being a teacher to being a teacher educator. And when I was interviewed about that quite early on in my journey in HE, hate that journey word, but I've used it already, sorry. I said that I feel I'll always be in transition. I don't think I'll ever get to a certain point that I feel professional learning, as we know, is something that we, we, we're we all learners. The best teachers are the best learners. We should continue to keep learning professionally and to keep collaborating. I've also done um, some research into change management as our partnership grows, as we take on more students and more schools. How do we make sure that our vision for initial teacher education and our shared understanding of what that means, how do we make sure that that is sustained and that 
new partners coming on are bought into that, but also given their voice too. And I'm looking quite specifically, as I'm at the beginning of my PhD um, journey, but I'm looking quite specifically at third space and that concept borrowed from Barber, but used, um, coined by Zeichner in ITE around partnerships, um, sorry, around stakeholders genuinely coming together in a third space where there are no marginalised voices, so there's no hierarchy. So just very quickly, when we first started out as a partnership, the lead schools that we had and the, the head teachers that we had generally looked to the university for the answers because they saw it as our area of expertise. But what we've done is really work through that and, and understand that everybody brings something really valuable to this, a different perspective to developing student teachers. And that third space idea of places where the messy challenges and the knotty issues of partnership can be explored but everybody is listened to. And it sounds a bit utopian, you know, we don't always come up with a wonderful compromise because we've got certain parameters that we're working within. But actually, how do we work that through? And we're doing some quite rich evaluation on that at the moment. There's a lot of other things I could talk about. I would say if you ever have opportunities to present at conferences, to talk like this, to produce a paper or to produce a book chapter, as daunting as it sounds and we worry about time and so on, push yourself to do it because when you do talk about your own research at a conference, it really helps to see other people's reactions. You make connections with other people who've done something similar or somebody who's interested in it. You know, that's a really valuable experience as well. I could go on and on, but I think I'm going to stop there and pass over to Kath. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. It's lovely to have you back on the podcast as well, having worked, uh, recorded with you down the line. It's well worth having a listen to Lisa. It's a higher stakes environment, but it's nice to be able to see you. Our final panellist is Dr. Kath Jones from the University of South Wales, another newcomer to the podcast. It's always lovely to have those as well. So, uh, Dr. <laughs> Kath, would you like to tell us a little bit about so, your angle on inquiry? So, I listen to many podcasts. This is my first podcast to actually uh, have the, the conversation side. with. So, there's been a lot of pressure on my family tonight when I go home if they when they get to listen to some of this. So as, as Lisa said, I work with our partner schools and, and I personally think I've got one of the best jobs. Mm. I am so fortunate. The job was created in response to some of the changes that were going on in teacher education. And primarily what I try to do is, is work with colleagues to make research possible to work with them, to provide space. I think that's really important to provide space, to provide frameworks, to provide support which they think is relevant as opposed to us making assumptions about what's needed. So it really is very much about supporting these collaborative conversations. Um, in terms of my own background, a little varied. So I've worked in different sectors um, of education. I originally trained in primary. I've worked in further education. I've worked in higher education. I've worked in lots of different contexts. And each of those I found really important. And the constant message, whatever sector I've worked in, coming back to what Lisa was saying, is about the importance of collaboration, that we work together, that we don't work in isolation, that we share our stories. And we make sure that we do share our stories. I did my PhD part-time, and I think many people, I see some nods around the room and that PhD journey when you're trying to balance everything. And the work I focused on was, was collaboration and collaborative learning, because that was something that I constantly came back to as something I felt was important. And I could feel I could try to make some sort of difference in. So I worked in collaboration within my own classroom situation. And slightly outside as well, I did some work in safeguarding and child protection. 
and looking at the teacher's role there and raising our voice in areas in that, those sorts of areas also. So a range of different things. What I'm trying to do to support colleagues and engage people in research, if you like, is a range of different things. And some of these are going to seem very small. But we've just come away from seven days of separate writing retreats, just giving people space and time and permission to work on their research, to share ideas. And that spending a day together where you listen, where you work on your own thing, you talk, that collegiate sort of thing, I think is very important for us as busy professionals that we make that space because sometimes we think it's a bit of a luxury and we don't do that. So really, really important. I work with colleagues on developing research plans, just getting ideas together. And, you know, what are you thinking about? What are your ideas? What motivates you? What interests you? And just that opportunity, I think, perhaps to have that conversation as we work through things. We work very strongly with our partners. So when we've been developing um, professional learning for the academic year within our partnership, it is very much a co-constructed conversation. What do colleagues think, think are useful? And some of the things that have come up are the issue around time. Can we provide things that will help us use our time a little better? So can you signpost us, please, to resources, research resources, which are going to help you within your particular area? Can you stop me from being a little bit isolated? Because it's not just what happens in your classroom. Just those opportunities, things around methodologies. How would I approach this? I've got my ideas. And as Lisa said, as teachers, we're natural inquirers. We're also great observers as well. Observers of people, observer of things, observer of what's happening. And it's really important that we share that. And I guess if that could quite naturally just link me on very quickly to perhaps some of the research I'm involved with at the moment. So there's a project which I'm loving at the moment. I'm very sad that it's coming to an end. and I'm hoping there's more opportunities. And it's called A Voice to Tell Our Story. And it is working with schools on looking at the importance of creativity to improve oracy, literacy, confidence in areas where there is social deprivation, where there are real, real challenges. And when I, the title of that for me, I think is quite important because a voice to tell our story, I think is applicable to us as well. We need to be telling our stories about what we're doing in the classroom, sharing our practice, not keeping it there. And sometimes you may think, gosh, this is a tiny, tiny little thing. Actually, for somebody else may look at that and that might be the spark that ignites them. So I share, for example, MPEP projects with my PGCE students. When we're starting to talk about their action research, their inquiry, their close to practice research, I say, right, guys, let's have a look at what's happening locally. Let's see the work that's being done as a little bit of an inspiration to say, how do I start? How do I focus on that? So that for me is um, an opportunity where we are capturing stories, we are bringing things together and we're trying to build confidence in everybody involved. In terms of my other areas, just very, very briefly, I've got a very strong interest with close to practice research and how important research actually is and how we capture that. Collaboration very much. And in a previous life, I was a systems, a systems analyst for a period of time. And we used to use a thing called soft systems where we would deal with messy problems. And let's be honest, working with things, reflections on learning and teaching can be a little bit messy sometimes. Doesn't always work. Isn't always what we expected. 
But again, that's quite important. In making a list for this, I sadly realised I'd been involved in research in blended learning or sort of digital enhanced learning for over 20 years, which was quite sobering and quite interesting. And all it seems to have changed is the technology's been changing, but we still have the same battles around resources, around how do we use technology in the best way. So the arguments are, are pretty much still there. A real passion over the past couple of years has been around mentoring and to give credit to my colleague, Professor Emma-Jane Milton and Caroline Daly in terms of the educative mentoring approach. That's something that we've been doing in our partnership, working with our colleagues, presenting at conferences together, challenging each other on different ways in which we can do things. And I think that's an essential part of some of our dilemmas and inquiry as well, is, is looking to do that. Had the chance to work on some great projects, some funded projects, Welsh Government, Nuffield, different opportunities. But the, the big projects are great. But the small the classroom projects are absolutely critical that we build our knowledge together, our shared knowledge together. I also could go on for ages and I'm going to stop now because I, I think it is such a privilege to be able to be in rooms like this where we can share our practice and talk about what we do. Thank you very much, Sean, Lisa, Kath. So much to dig into there. One of the luxuries of having a live audience in front of you is that you don't have to ask all the questions because hopefully our live audience will do that for us. So with that in mind, we have a very long wire with a microphone attached to it and Gemma, who is going to uh, come at anybody who would like to either make an observation or ask a question uh, linked to what has been shared from our panellists. Who wants to test Gemma's skills with a question? Aha, nice long distance away as well. That's what we like. Challenge and scaffold downwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, my question is, uh, people think about teacher inquiry. Sometimes people emphasize the process. Sometimes people emphasize the product, the outcome, the solution to the whatever problem was perceived. Um, so I'm just interested in uh, your own kind of personal uh, choice of emphasis. Is it product or is it process? And um, I suppose you can't really just say both because that's a bit of a cop-out. So uh, that's, my, uh, that's my question. It depends. I sort of think it depends because sometimes we, we, we have to feel we have to find an answer. We have to measure impact. And actually, it isn't sometimes about the end product. I the colleagues agree, but it's not the end product. But it is about that exploration that you've done. So I think there is a real tension there and that, that is a good way to start. But I think it, it, is, it is dependent on on what you're trying to do, but you can't always measure it. You can't always provide immediate impact. Sometimes things, I don't know if you find colleagues are a bit of a slow burn and you may not get things. You may have to go through a few cycles. Yeah, I, I think I would, I would agree there. And I think whilst consideration of the process is important, you know, actually the lead into identifying the focus of an inquiry can also take, take a while. Um, but there is also, I suppose, a need, certainly from the way that we work within TFROBLE, to consider the output to a degree, because from the perspective of dissemination. So, to give you an example, last academic year we had a project where a nursery class came up to TFROBLE, and we were essentially exploring the extent to which the we could evidence the synergies between Frobelian principles and the four purposes. And there was a lot of time spent in relation to the design of the, of the, of the, of the research project. But at the same time, we have been, over that time, been thinking about how 
to disseminate that research because whilst on the one hand it's important to write in a peer-reviewed journal as an academic equally it's um, important to think about how we can produce practice-facing resources that are easily accessible and digestible to to, to um, practitioners and, and anyone that's interested so so it is it is a bit of both and at different stages towards it within that wider process of doing a, um, an inquiry um, it, it, it becomes important in different ways no I completely agree and I think sometimes we can be too oh we've got a task and finish you know we want to start here we want to finish here we want to have impact we want to be able to do this with it and sometimes it's much more of a slow burn than that um, and I think that's nothing to be afraid of I think if it's not thinking oh we haven't got an output from this yet and that, that's the key word yet and because it might change you know as you as you find things you've got to try and keep an open mind as well because as you might find things out you might discover another channel that you want to explore a bit more and it doesn't have to have to happen straight away you there's nothing wrong with saying right I'm going to look at that a bit later when I've got more time not that ever that happens but you know when there's another opportunity so I think yeah it's it, what we find with the students when they're doing their inquiries they choose something from the school development plan in the school that they're in on their final um, school experience and they do an inquiry project around that and that is time limited you know it is four weeks and they have got to then present their findings to the senior leadership team and that's a really good exercise in itself but sometimes they're presenting something very different from what they thought they were going to be presenting or actually they're presenting some things that they found out that have emerged but they want to explore further so yeah it's 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 very it, it does absolutely depend mm. on what you're doing and not to be afraid of fearful because I think if we worry about oh will there be a tangible output from this will there be a product as Matt said then we might never actually get started on anything. I also think there's an element of what your role is within yes. within so I know certainly Jenny and I when we're supporting practitioners in their in their inquiries we are that sort of we're playing that supportive role yeah. yes. so sometimes that is in terms of thinking about the professional learning opportunities or yeah. signposting to resources and at the same time, through their journey, would be thinking about well, the the wider picture of of why how this project and that project relates to this one and that one, and how they form collectively a, a bigger picture and part of a wider conversation. So I think it does also depend on. Yeah. What, I think that's critical yeah. that the research we do is often part of a much yeah. is much part mm. of a much wider thing, isn't it? It doesn't always sit in isolation, mm. but it is part of a of a much bigger story. Yeah. You know. I know that we move back to sort of we feel I certainly I feel a sense of moving forward and moving back yeah, in yes, that process definitely. where you're sort of magnified in the context of that project and then sort of you you broaden that vantage point to see where that positions in relation to other other inquiries and that sometimes leads to you know new ideas yeah. in relation to inquiries yeah. and and so it goes on and um, that's why collaboration is so yeah. so key to the whole process just going to Wait and see if anyone's going to indicate. Yes, Gemma, you have another challenge ahead of you. Hi, uh, Dan Barlow. I'm a Welsh teacher from uh, Aberdeer. Uh, I've been involved in NPEP and other research for the last couple of years. And I just wanted to ask the panel's views really on uh, how you see the future of collaborative professional learning panning out in Wales. Because, um, as I said, you know, being a Welsh second language teacher, I often feel kind of sidelined slightly. Um, you know, I turn up to uh, language literacy and communication events and it's all about English. Um, and so I think that there's a real need for 
sort of more robust structures to put teacher researchers in in contact with each other um, and just sort of provide a bit more equity, I suppose, across the system. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think um, we've come across those challenges. We, we run both our um, PGC and undergraduate programmes in Welsh Medium as well. And, um, you know, Kath leads on the research um, module for the PGC programme and the reflective practice module rather. And, and I think we've come across those challenges in terms of the amount of research that, that's available in Welsh and then the networks that are available there as well. I don't know if you want to say anything about no, that. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, j I'm just, just thinking what you're saying. It's we almost need to try to join some of this professional learning up sometimes, don't we? Because we're all working in a separate way. So we're talking about our partnership and we're working together. How can we share things with our ITE partnership, for example, with another partnership? Mm. Otherwise, we're all sort of working in isolation. So we, we do need, I think, to address, I mean, that, you know, there are projects out there, there are, there is work going on, but I think we're not there yet. We're trying to work towards it, but we're certainly not there. But I think having things like NPEP, having the professional learning entitlement, you know, having those opportunities and that, that resource behind it as well, we're, we're going in the right direction in Wales. And I know that there are other strategies and, and so on being, being developed at, at all levels to make sure that that happens. But, you know, having uh, consortia colleagues here as well and, and driving that too, I think there's definitely the drive for that, not just from us as, as initial teacher education partnerships and from HEIs, but from consortia level and local authority level as well but it doesn't take away from the the challenges that we've talked about today already in terms of time you know we you know in terms of particularly at the moment very difficult perhaps to get teachers out of the classroom we know there's issues with finding supply cover and with budgets and so on but also in terms of, of the language um, the Welsh language um, challenges that you've mentioned as well I think that's, that is, this is a really important point. I mean, we've been developing our professional learning and development days for the partnership for next academic year. And we've, we've certainly made sure that we are working much more tightly with our consortia colleagues, I think, to ensure that... So we're not operating, say, three things in... in and it's very difficult for everybody yeah. to get to different things, but being mindful that for schools it's very precious on how you manage your time mm. and, en and engage in events and we need to have the, I think those more joined up conversations yeah. to make sure that the offering is clearer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I would agree and I, and I think that we've started to think in that way actually and it did come about in terms of the in, in the context of the the block play project I mentioned earlier on where three schools have have come together and that's worked really well because we, we've shared insets and through those experiences teachers and practitioners have been able to share their experiences so we have had that sort of sense of joined up thinking in that in that way in the way how that's been facilitated and actually on the back of that we have used that as a sort of blueprint then to help us sort of initiate other other projects um, because actually having schools in close proximity means that accessing one another is is a bit more straightforward a bit more practical and so in in a new project that we'll do from from September called Frobelia and Sounds is um, that's how we've gone about it, it was, you know it, it started with the involvement of one school but actually through the design of that project we've encouraged that particular teacher to to, to hook up 
if I can <laughs> put it that way, to collaborate, that's a better word, <laughs> to collaborate um, with another school, including a Welsh medium school. And so this idea of generating the outputs that are bilingual and also facilitating research projects that also include um, English medium and Welsh medium schools at the same time is, is part of where we're going. Um, so so again, we're, we've, it's, it's, you know, we're all on individual uh, journeys, aren't we, in the process of, of, um, of inquiry. And I think that doesn't ever end. And, and that's a really valid point that you've raised and something that, you know, we've recognised certainly as a little team at Cardiff. Okay, we think we've got time for one more question. And we have a participant ready and waiting. So Gemma. Nice long horizontal bit of wire work there. Excellent. Um, hi, so I'm Louise Mutum and I work in um, Central South Consortium and I think um, it's been lovely to hear about all the strengths of the collabor collaborative work because I think certainly with my consortia hat on we see that coming out um, really keenly. It's sort of part reflection and, and part question I suppose. Every time I'm with a teacher or any group of educators everyone is so keen to make a positive difference and one of the things we talk about internally is how we stop things being doomed to success because everyone wants to get it right. So uh, it, people outside of perhaps this this level of project where they've got the sort of significant coaching and mentoring from their HEI partners will do an inquiry and it will make an absolute beautiful difference to every learner and it will always be successful. So I was just interested on how you mitigate that culturally, I suppose, stop stopping things being doomed to success, how we make it okay for practitioners, because I know preaching to the choir in this room with the practitioners that we're working with now because th th they've been part of the project for so long but how we can further promote a culture where mistakes are fine and we will try things and they won't work and the learning that we've developed from things not working is as powerful as it is when they worked because if you can answer me that you'll really help me out <laughs> <laughs> okay gosh that's a, that's a big question isn't it I think um I think it's things like this. I think it's about being open and speaking to um, experienced researchers who say we face challenges ourselves. You know, people who I listen to um, a PhD podcast and it's really refreshing to listen to people saying, you know, I had real challenges. I had to just put it down for a week and do something else. You know, I, 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 people were saying, why don't you do this? Everybody had an opinion on it. And I think we are naturally looking for not necessarily quick fixes but we want answers because of course that's what we're in this for we want to make an impact on our learners and we want that impact we can't wait a year two years because those learners will be gone so I think it's for me and it's I'm sure there are more um, intelligent answers to this but I think it's about having those conversations and saying inquiry is about trying things out testing things out looking for evidence of impact doing the research and the reading but of course as Dylan, Dylan Williams says everything works somewhere but nothing works everywhere so being aware of your own context as well and, and trying things out and and if it, if it doesn't work as you intended well then you've got something some learning to take from that to move forward yeah, I think it's about just and it's allowing yourself almost to be surprised that things don't work. And I think you're right, the point you make about creating that culture, that it is okay to say, I tried this, it didn't work in the way that I wanted, because that's much better shared learning then, isn't it? If we can, if we can promote that. But that's cultural change, and that's, that takes a little bit of time. <laughs> 
I think that's um, all valid points there in terms of, and I think it's about actually talking about what those challenges have been and being articulate about them and recognising that there are struggles in the context of research and sometimes that forms part of addressing the question that you are currently addressing but also can lead to further questions that leads on, you know, that will lead on to further inquiries. To give you an example, recently in terms of professional inquiry, where we've sort of tussled with the ethics surrounding it in terms of the inquiry is a pra- within the context of practice um, and um, there are kind of infrastructures in place on you know the data or the information you know, photographs videos that are taken but then that that translating that into the context of a of a wider research project that throws up difficult ethical questions and actually it's about having those conversations from different from people within people in the project but people outside of the project with other expertise and to have that dialogue so in ever, whatever the challenges are it's important to to be trans- transparent about them and to recognise them that they are part of that um, trajectory and that sometimes there's not a definitive answer um, but you have to work towards the best fit at that time. And that, unfortunately, is us out of time. Um, Just I think there's probably plenty more things we could have said there and Lots of digging into the fact that uh, inquiry can be messy and inquiry can bring about some quite uncomfortable truths and we could uh, we could be digging into that, but unfortunately time is up. It only remains for me to thank our panel, Sean Sawa, Lisa Taylor and Dr Kath Jones, uh, to thank our questioners, to thank our audience, to thank Gemma with her long wire, to congratulate myself for tripping over one of my own wires during that recording. And uh, we, as ever, will be back in your ears in two weeks' time. Thank you very much and goodbye. You've been listening to Emma and Tom Talk Teaching, a podcast about all things education presented by Emma Thayer and Tom Breeze. Thanks to the University of South Wales and the National Professional Inquiry Project for inviting us along. And special thanks to our panellists, Sean Sawa, Lisa Taylor and Dr Kath Jones. The microphone on the long wire was expertly handled by Gemma Mitchell. Podcast artwork is by Beth Blandford and the music is by Cameron Stewart. We'll be back in a fortnight with something else interesting. Until then, take care and enjoy teaching. Enjoy teaching.